Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emigrant Awardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. Gillian Michaels is on the show. That's right. Gillian Michaels is a personal trainer, businesswoman, author, and TV personality who joins me on the podcast to tackle the topics of fitness and weight loss. Gillian is known globally for her expertise in the areas of health, fitness, weight loss, weight management, and diet. And I wanted to speak to her on the show for very specific reasons. Regular listeners will know that I've discussed at length on this show my own body issues. I gained weight as a young teen and have, for most of my life, been overweight. The only periods where I haven't been are when I have been over-exercising and under-eating to a point that wasn't sustainable, and therefore I was in your classic cycle of yo-yo dieting. Last year, I had a light bulb moment when I read the book Brain Over Binge, and I finally understood my relationship with food, my urges to eat, and because of that book... I was able to admit the overeating I was doing and spent a long time denying and rewire my relationship with food and subsequently I dropped the extra weight I was carrying. And this is really important into why I wanted to share Gillian's expertise with you on the show. I know that discussing bodies and weight loss can be triggering and fair warning this episode covers this ground a lot in our conversation. But one thing I've always noticed about Gillian's advice and I've been following her for a long time is that it remains pretty unchanged in all the years I have been following her. And regular listeners will know how important this is to me in any guest. Gillian bases everything she says in science. It's all scientific fact, and that is a big win. And as someone who viewed any new diet, any new fitness craze, any new supplement as the thing that would finally help me lose weight, because that was my goal, rightly or wrongly, I would cling on to these things and become almost devoted to them. Until I wasn't, until the next thing came up. So I find Gillian's perspective so helpful because it has been a constant and I hope that you do too. Because with so much noise out there about what diet is right, what the best type of exercise is, all of the things you can imagine, it's so easy to get lost in the weeds, to be on a path as I was so many times and then have someone tell you you're doing it wrong or should be doing it another way, which is 
I guess why I find tethering myself to someone like Gillian and her expertise so helpful. Furthermore, just because Gillian's stance hasn't changed, it doesn't mean she's not totally up to date with the latest in biological discovery and scientific research on all things health and fitness. Just take a look at her podcast and the scientists and doctors she speaks to regularly. It's clear how plugged in and current Gillian's advice is, even though the fundamental foundations are unchanged. I've always found finding guests who can come on the show and talk about health and fitness challenging because I don't want to add to any confusion. And I say that as someone who can throw their hands in the air and say, I was so confused. Despite being a health and beauty journalist who was writing for really big health magazines, one month I'd be writing and researching one thing, the next month I'd be writing and researching another thing that would completely contradict the thing I just talked about. So I was confused. I was as confused as anyone. But I feel that Gillian is so clear and concise and I definitely appreciate her style of approach. She's honest and you might not always like that honesty, but boy has she got you. She really does care. I downloaded her app recently and in her introductory video, she has thought about every single person who might pick up their phone, download that app and want to work out with her and want to understand their diet and everything with her. Where she really has in the introductory video, she just says, I've got you, I've got you. And if you've only got this amount of time, I've got you. I've got it's really, really impressive. In this episode, we discuss the science of weight loss, how to find a balanced approach to diet and exercise that will work for you, because that's the key. Why being honest with yourself is often a first step. And the fact that hard as it might be to accept it is easier for some people to gain weight and it which means it is easier for some people to lose and maintain their weight and so much more it's a really Gillian was incredibly generous with her time and her insights on this episode I was completely blown away like I said I know this topic isn't always easy and I am sensitive to the perspective of body positivity movements and body confidence movements and I'm not dismissing the negative impact of diet culture, but my perspective is heavily weighted on my own experiences, as I've just outlined above. So uh, I hope you, I hope you understand that. The links to Gillian, including her new app, her fitness videos, her social media channels, which are a must-watch for really succinct, clear diet and fitness advice, will be in the show notes. But I am so pleased to welcome Gillian Michaels onto the Emma Gunn Show. Welcome to the show, Gillian Michaels. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's such a pleasure to speak to you, especially as I feel as though I have consumed your expertise for so long. (laughs) Thank you. Honestly, when people tell me stuff like that, it, it means so much because I love what I do. I do it for selfish reasons. But to kind of hear that, that people say like, oh, I, I really like this workout or I really liked that book or it, it does kind of make you feel like you've played some small role in their journey and it brings a lot of meaning into, into my life. So thank you for sharing that with me. You're so welcome. So one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you, I was just saying before we started recording, I've always wanted to really address fitness, health and fitness um, and nutrition to a certain degree on this podcast. And I, as a journalist who's been working in health and beauty for 20 years, I get lost in the weeds so easily. There's a lot of weeds, that is for sure. (laughs) And by getting lost in the weeds, I've done every single thing. I've tried every single cleanse. I've done every single diet. And me personally, and I don't ever really like to make the show about me because it really is about my excellent listeners, but... um, I was doing all of this as a journalist with great great access to experts, and I was on a continued cycle of failure. 
because the yeah. message was always different. And then last year, I, I had the light bulb moment, 30 pounds down, and it hasn't oh. even felt like trying. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, nowadays you can't even celebrate when somebody loses weight because it makes you just like, you're, pol you're so politically incorrect. But I will never not be honest about that. If, if you, in fact, had 30 pounds to lose, which you, I'm looking at you, you look fantastic. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to presume you did. I, I think that's, that's a hell of an accomplishment. It really is. I mean, you look amazing. I'm hoping you feel amazing as well. I can't, and it makes me sad, but also I think, well, it's done. But it does make me sad because I think one thing that's never changed in all the years that I've been consuming this kind of material is your message. And yet... Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter how many times, how many seasons of The Biggest Loser I sat through. It doesn't matter how many times I watched your IGTVs, how many times I listened to your podcast. Something wasn't actually sinking in, which makes me kind of feel like, well, that's wasted time. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Everything happens when it's meant to. Right. And and I think that, you know, when we have a shift, it's always like it's, it's the, the time is right. You know, if they always say like, what is it? Rejection is protection that these things are, or these lessons that are provided, um, manifest as they should, when they should. And who knows how maybe now with you sharing a, a slightly different message or saying, Hey, this is the path that worked for me. Who knows who that will kind of give that epiphany or that, that light bulb moment. Um, and yes, with, with my message, I have been pretty friggin' consistent. I had one shift, um, that was major in my philosophies. And this was back in like 2006 when I really understood the importance of food quality for overall health. So if you look at like my first and second book, there would be recipes in there that would have artificial sugars. And it was like, cause they were low calorie. And then when I wrote my third book, I had to literally say like, wow, I, uh, I made a big mistake here. And that was master your metabolism that I wrote with a, with a board certified endocrinologist. Um, and that was my one really big giant screw up early on in my career. Uh, but other than that, yeah, my messaging has been pretty consistent only because I have the fortune of working with really brilliant doctors and scientists and researchers that can explain the science to me in a way that's irrefutable. So I now don't get lost in the weeds because I know it's it's the snake oil salesman selling me a false promise, if that makes any sense. A hundred percent. And I love the fact that even when you're pressed, when you do various media and people try to get you comment on very, get you to comment on things, you will say, I refuse to deny scientific fact. No, you can't. I mean, no matter how politically incorrect the truth can be these days, I will, I won't comment. Look, I don't comment on politics. I have no business. It's not my lane. I don't know anything about it. I'm not here to lecture anybody or preach to anybody about what they should or shouldn't do or should or shouldn't believe. But when it comes to health, fitness and nutrition, this is my wheelhouse. This is my expertise. This is where I stand on very solid, well-researched ground. And I refuse to compromise the truth because ultimately you are insulting people 
by acting like they're not strong enough to hear it and you're compromising their well-being by denying the simple science. It's, it's just simple science of health, fitness, nutrition, and wellness. So to me, there's no shame, right? We, we are all a work in progress. We all have the stuff we're working through, but I just won't lie about something because it's popular. That's, that's not who I am and I don't think it benefits the greater good personally. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. And I think one of the things that we've got in that has added more weeds is body acceptance and body positivity. No, it's when it gets too extreme, it does. Right. But this is such an interesting movement. And it it's like, on one hand, you absolutely must have a love for your body and it, it, like a respect for your body, no matter what size you are, no matter what your doctor tells you about your physical health, a feeling of equality, a feeling of being in control. It's, it's critical, but it's critical because only from this place can you believe in your ability to do more, be more, have more. And your health is your number one wealth. When your health is not good, it compromises a variety of aspects in your life. So in this sense, it's, it's a fantastic thing. However, when it turns into a defense mechanism, um, and I can only say like, look, as a, as a gay person, right? My gay community, and I think you'll see other minority communities kind of taking back these slurs that have been used against us. So you, you, you'll hear gay men using the word fag or gay women using the word dyke. Like, you can't hurt me with this word. I own this word. I love this word. I find that when we are overweight, we are, people are so marginalized and they're so judged and there's so much prejudice against them that the backlash of that is, you can't hurt me with this. I love this beautiful and healthy at any size because there's so much pain there. And what we need to do is stop with the judging, stop with the bullshit. Everybody is worthy, everybody is equal, everybody is deserving. And beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It doesn't matter what you think is beautiful, that's up to you. But it's not healthy. And I personally would never recommend that a mother of three kids not understand that she has the risk of orphaning her children 20 years earlier and never meeting her grandchildren <laughs> because she's 100 pounds overweight. Like, no, I will never, I will never tell you I think it's a good thing. No, I'm gonna say like, hey, you're a great mom, you're gonna be a great grandma, but not unless we get you down to this healthy weight. And it's just scientific fact. I could go through all of the ways that obesity kills people, but in America, the statistics speak for themselves. It kills 40,000 people a month. Seven in 10 Americans are on medication for obesity. Obesity is the number one cause of bankruptcy in America. I can't speak to the UK or other parts of the world, but that is the reality. It devastates lives. It does devastate lives, and you're absolutely right. And I will put the stats, actually, for the UK in the show notes because it shows up everywhere. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. So let's go back uh, to your fundamental message, which has never changed. <laughs> and because I and I've, I love hearing it and I will hear it and I will check in with it daily because it reminds me it's the not overeating. And also you are very much a proponent of calories in versus calories out. 
it's you know what's so fascinating about that is you'll say like you're a proponent right or it's your philosophy or it's your take it's not a philosophy it's not a take it is scientific fact so for you saying to me and i'm, I'm not trying to be insulting I, mm -hmm. I i just mean that statement or for someone to say um your philosophy right is that the earth is round you're like no no <laughs> 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 it's not my philosophy. It's actually a scientific fact. And beyond the biochemistry of it, there's actually a fabulous TED Talk that I recommend everybody watch. It's like, I don't know, 17 minutes. It's by a guy named Ruben Meerman. He's a biochemist, and it's called The Mathematics of Weight Loss. And he literally breaks down the biochemistry of calories in, calories out. It's brilliant. But let's, let's table that. There's something called the law of thermodynamics, right? Law being, it's not even a theory, right? Even, even relativity is a theory. When they call it law, it is proven 100% fact. The law of thermodynamics states that energy is not created or destroyed in a vacuum. Here's what that means with weight loss. Fat is stored energy. It doesn't get in your body unless you eat it, and it doesn't break down your body. It doesn't break down in your body unless you are utilizing that energy, right? So it's just, it's, it's calories in your food. They're units of energy. If you consume more calories than your body burns in a day, you will store that energy as fat. Now, weight loss, weight gain, weight maintenance, has nothing to do with overall health. And yes, the two can intersect and they can impact one another, but food quality is really when we start to get into immunity and slowing the aging process, overall health and wellness, fighting disease and what have you. But weight loss, weight maintenance, weight gain is calories in, calories out and it has been proven time and time and time and time again. So I've heard you say previously, and do correct me if I'm wrong, that your goal is to give people what they want. And so what I imagine people say to you is, Jillian, I would like to lose weight. I would like to get fit. And yet you say your message and maybe it doesn't necessarily compute like it did for me. How do you get somebody to a light bulb moment where they get it? Well, there's also, so think of it like this. Here's, here's also where this message can get a bit confusing for people because they don't understand how math works. So I've had a lot of women come up to me and say, and men for that matter, I don't understand. I am having air souffle for breakfast, a stem <laughs> of broccoli, you know, with a chicken breast for lunch and a speck of dust for dinner. I'm absolutely starving. The scale's not going down. So let's look at the math, right? Now, these are generalizations. They're not exact, but they are pretty friggin' applicable. So I'm not quite sure about stone, forgive me. I would go by pounds in the US because that's what I'm very familiar with. So one pound, to lose a pound, you have to burn 3,500 extra calories. So if you wanna lose two pounds a week, we need to have a deficit, right, of 1,000 calories a day. So for example, if I'm eating 1500 calories a day, I need my body to burn 2500 calories a day. But if I looked at my metabolic rate over the course of my day without exercise, I am about 1600 calories a day. So 
what people don't see is that, yay, we're no longer gaining weight. They don't see that this thing isn't going in reverse anymore. They've stopped that. And in fact, the needle is gradually going down. But if you look at that math, if I'm eating four, if I'm eating so little, 1400 calories a day is actually very little, right? If I'm eating that and I'm burning 1600, it's going to take me, oh my God, like, holy, what? Like days, days to lose weight. Like, 14 days to lose a pound if I'm only burning a couple hundred calories a day. So in two weeks when they get on the scale and let's say they had a high salt dinner the night before and they're holding water or it's that time of the month and they're holding water and maybe the scale hasn't gone down. Maybe it's actually gone up a pound and they're like, oh my God, it doesn't work because what they're missing is the exercise piece. The exercise piece is what brings up your daily energy expenditure. And that's how we get your metabolism to go from 1600 that day to 2400 that day. Cause it's burning calories while you're training and burning calories after the session is over. So weight loss in large part is going to be 80% exercise. So you want to stop overeating so that we're holding the, we're holding a neutral and then think of exercise as that second job, right? Where you're earning more cash to pay off college debt. I, I like to think of it as like balancing a checkbook. So that's where we dig through all of that stored energy. And this is part of the reason that people don't understand because they don't know the math of here's what my body is burning. Here's what I'm eating. And this is how much I got to burn to lose a pound. Now, how do I get there? So it's, it's a combination of constantly giving people all the information and all the tools. And then when they learn how to apply it and they get the results, success begets success. So if someone is listening to this podcast and they're thinking, I want a piece of this, I want to get control. I want to, I want to stop gaining weight or I want to be at a weight that's less than what I am now. What do you have like an entry point that you find works consistently? Again, I'm trying to get to that light bulb moment because yeah. I watch so many hours of the biggest loser whilst eating crap. Well, okay. So so let's let's first clarify that the the science of weight and health is simple, common sense. Don't overeat. Move your body more often and use common sense with your food choices. And what I mean by that is like, hey, we all know that the grilled chicken salad is gonna be better than the piece of pizza, right? And you know, we've all seen that episode of Dr. Oz. Like, I don't know if you have an equivalent there in the, in the UK, but it's like, we all know like the, oh, the blueberries and the wild salmon and the walnut, like we've all, everybody knows what a health food is. And if you practice eating 80% of your calories on the healthier side, 20% of your calories being the chips, the piece of pizza, the pint of beer, what have you, that's called balance. It'll work out just fine, right? Very simple, but it isn't easy. And the reason it isn't easy is because, you know, some of us, and I myself am one of those individuals, utilize food for coping mechanisms, defense mechanisms. There's a whole psychology caught up in it. Now for others, there isn't. It's like I had three kids in a period of five years. I sit at a desk job all day long and I just kind of lost control and I, I want to lose two stone, which I think is like 30 pounds <laughs> or, or, you know, I, I need to lose 20 pounds. Okay. But for others, there's also a deep psychological component. 
So helping them get to the bottom of it is going to be difficult. Um, if you if you want this to work, that is the simple science, right? Like move your body four times a week for 30 minutes. I can tell you what techniques are going to be the most effective, but if you hate them, you won't show up for it. And consistency is the most important rule of fitness. So while I would love HIIT training and metabolic circuits and resistance training and all of these great things that are going to give you the best results fast, if you would rather stick needles in your eyes than do that, <laughs> but you love your dance class or hiking with your dog, like I will take whatever that is going to move your body four times a week, preferably for 30 minutes. That's my minimum. That's what I want to see. And then I would say I could go through the science of how to figure out exactly how many calories to eat. It's a bit, it's a bit tedious, but I, I can if you want to. This is BMR and AMR, right? Yeah, exactly. So if you go to Google and you enter BMR calculator, right? And your basal metabolic rate essentially means if you and I, right, if Emma and Jill sat on the couch all day long, how much energy would our body need, as in how many calories would it burn through involuntary bodily functions of breathing, right, digestion, hair growing, cells replicating, all of that, how much would we burn? So I think you can enter in your age, your gender, your height, your weight, and it's gonna give you a rough estimate. I think mine's like 1,250, 1,300 calories. I'm a tiny little human. It's low, right? Such a bummer. Like, people come up <laughs> all the time and they're like, you're a lot smaller than I thought you would be. I'm like, I have a towering personality. <laughs> but it's like, that will give you your base, right? Now, I like to tell people, okay, you have four levels of activity without fitness. We're not, we're not including fitness. So let's say level one is you have a desk job. You're sitting behind a desk. You're very sedentary all day long. Level two, I am a sales clerk. I work at a clothing shop. I work at a car dealership where I'm on my feet a bit, you know, walking around, showing people things, not sitting all day long. Level three, I'm a fitness trainer, for example. I'm demonstrating exercises. I'm lifting weights around. I'm assisting people with lifts. I'm pretty physical. And level four, let's say I'm a construction worker. Like I am super, super physical. Pick your level. So for me, I'm a level three. So we're going to use me, right? So let's say arguably my BMR is 1,300 calories. I then do a one and a decimal point in front of my level. So I would be a 1.3. If you're a level two, you're a 1.2. And you multiply that to your BMR. So 1,300 times 1 1.3. So I can literally, where's my phone? I don't know. Like, ah. <laughs> I wish I could do that math, but I can't. I mean, yeah, like we're, we're going to do the simple math right now. So 1,300 is my BMR. And I got this off the BMR calculator, right, on the internet, times 1.3. So I know my number is 1,690. So I now go, okay, I have 1,690 calories to spend today on arguably whatever you want, but I would like for you to say 80% of those calories are gonna be better for me foods and 20% of those calories are going to be treat foods. So that's what I get to spend. If I wanna spend more calories or eat more food, I gotta earn more calories and that's where fitness comes in. So that's maintenance, right? If you don't eat more than you burn, you're not going to get bigger or smaller. Health, different conversation, that's food quality and fitness, but 
That's the simple math of it. So now again, right? 1690. And that's if I'm really physical that day. Cause right now I'm not training clients. I'm behind my desk, writing, working on the phone with you. So I'm probably lower. I'm probably 1600. So if I was trying to lose weight and I was eating 1400 calories, it would take me almost, it would take me two weeks at least to lose one pound if I didn't work out. And that's and that- what- People get, yeah, discouraged and confused. Yeah, completely demotivated. So you also talked about 80-20. And I went on a press trip with a load of fellow beauty journalists last year. And they're Mm. all really tall and lean. And one of them used to be a model. And we were at breakfast. And um, they were talking about food and diet. And they said, yeah, but it's all, it's 80% what you eat, isn't it? And I wish you could have seen my face because it was like this. (laughs) As I stopped putting the spoon into my mouth. Um, and, but actually, that again was a little bit of a light bulb moment of, well, if all of these women who are sitting with me don't seem to have the panic I have around food, don't seem to be that stressed around what they can and can't eat, then maybe that's something I need to pay attention to. And so I've really focused on my food calories. And then my exercise calories have been a bonus. Like, yay, I'm going to exercise as well, but I'm not going to exercise like a maniac like I used to and still not really get anywhere so what's the so the ratio thing of uh 80 20 is it that's if you're maintaining but if you want to really lose then bust that fitness no um 80 20 is about food quality right and it applies to everyone and for me it is a personal strategy to maintain sanity (laughs) so people will often say Oh, do you have a cheat day? Do you have a cheat meal? Do you have a cheat this? And I'm like, I don't, there's no cheat. I don't cheat anything. There are foods that are better for you with regard to micronutrients. What are micronutrients? They're vitamins and minerals, right? So, cause to be honest with you, I could send you at least 10 studies right now of scientists and researchers who said, all right, I'm going to do nothing but do a, what we call in America a food desert diet, right? So there are parts of our country where there's nothing but fast food chains and gas stations, right? And we call it food desert. There's just no good quality food for, for a massive, a 50 mile radius in every direction, right? So these guys would go in, different scientists, different studies, and say, all right, I'm just going to eat this crap food. But they reduced their calories and they were still able to illustrate that even though the food is complete garbage, it's still calories in, calories out, and they could lose weight. Now their health, you can get cancer and be stick thin. That's not what we're talking about. So 80-20 is saying like, listen, I don't love this notion of cheat anything. I don't think it's good for your brain. I don't love the idea of like coming out of hibernation on Sunday after you've had air souffle, speck of dust, you know, stick of broccoli, and going bananas on Sunday which is, I again, think is bad for your brain and also bad for your body and usually will offset the progress you've made over the week because you just consumed three to 4,000 calories on Sunday and you don't even get the math there. Whereas if every single day you allow yourself some room and flexibility for the slice of pizza, the pint of beer, the glass of wine, the scoop of ice cream, that's Mm 80-20. So my allowance, right, on a day that I'm training, because I'm in maintenance mode, I don't want to lose weight, I don't want to gain weight and I'm burning, let's say 2000 calories on a day. I train for 30 minutes really hard. I've got 2000 calories. I can eat that day. So for me, I'm like, all right, I think that I'm going to do, you know, 500 calories, which is like 25% of whatever the heck I want today. 
And then 75%, 1,500 calories are going to be the wild salmon with my spinach salad, right? Or the blueberries with pecans and organic yogurt for breakfast. But I might say I'm having the, the what is it? The, there's like a crispy tuna, spicy tuna, crispy rice roll that's like oh, fried wow. rice. You know, but I'll have one that day or something. And, or the sake with my sushi dinner, whatever it might be. And it keeps me sane and it's called balance. And whether you're losing weight or not, if you take that percentage of your calories and you have a cookie, you have a glass of wine, like in my opinion, it, it helps most people not feel as restricted or deprived. Mm -hmm. And it helps keep that pendulum more in the middle without these crazy swings of all in, all out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what that pertains to. It's just the psychological philosophy that I feel brings balance to a healthier lifestyle. I wanted to also ask you about weighing yourself. The reason mm. being is there's been a real backlash about the number on the scale in the last, I would say, 18 months, two years. Oh, and, really? I think it was always. <laughs> and I was, well, one, because there was a whole campaign, I weigh and everything. And I used to use that principle of don't get on the scale. It's really destructive. It just harms you. I used to use that mes message that came from the body positivity movement to keep myself in a place of denial. So when people would say to me, do you weigh yourself? I'd be like, I don't know what I weigh because that's not what really matters. But do you know what really mattered, Jillian? When did I start actually making progress? When yeah. I got on the scale. Well, okay. Here's the issue. It depends on what power the individual is giving the scale. So if the number on the scale has anything to do with the quality of your humanity and the validation of you as a person, then of course you're not gonna get on the scale because you're like, I refuse to let this define me. But what the scale actually is, is a compass. That's it, it's a tool. And if you wanna be effective with your weight loss, it's gonna be kinda hard to know where you're at if you're sailing around in the dark right? Like even sailors used stars before they had a compass. You need to know where you're at. So for me, like there's this, uh, I sometimes get involved with individuals that I, for just honestly, personal fun, help lose weight. Right? So this one woman randomly, I, and I don't get to all of my direct messages cause there's a ton of them. So I feel, I feel it's not personal. If I miss it, I miss it. But, and they go away. Like after every hundred, they kind of vanish. So I happened to catch one in the middle of the night. It was like sleepless in Seattle. And this woman reached out to me and I couldn't sleep either. We ended up in this conversation and we've been doing this now for like four months and every Saturday. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. She checks in with me with her number on the scale. And I go, okay, so this week it didn't move. That week it didn't move. Hmm. Now then, let's go back and look at what we did this week. What do we do? And it turns out our calories were too low. So I was like, okay. And the scale told me, yo, you got to change something. That's it. That's all it says to me is, okay, now we're stuck. So something's got to move or change. And I simply was like, okay, wow, what's going on? Turns out she was having issues with her boyfriend, wasn't eating enough. So I was like, here's what you're doing. You're taking three days off. You're going to do a high calorie day for me. I want you to go up to 3000 calories on Sunday. Take a high calorie day. Cause I wanted to tell her body, like food is not scarce. Again, let's keep this train rolling. And then I said, after that, we're going to up your calorie intake by 10% a day. So I think we had her at uh, 1500. So I said, we're going to go to 1650 because she'd already lost a decent amount of weight. And we're going to change you up to this fitness program. And sure enough, the next week she's like, oh, I'm two pounds down. <laughs> so it's, it simply is a tool that says what you're doing is working. What you're doing isn't working. And the key is not to use it obsessively. You use it once a week. Same time of day, same day of the week. And you can't go one week at a time. You really have to look at it over two weeks because maybe you're getting your period. Maybe you ate uh, a high sodium dinner the night before that's making you retain fluid. After two weeks, I was like, all right, now we got we to gotta look at this and reassess. It's just a tool. But if you imbue it with this power over your value, then of course you're not going to want to get on the scale. But that's a much bigger issue. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that is an issue that needs to be dealt with quite honestly, for, for many, with a qualified therapist, you know, that's like, we could get into the deeper issues of utilizing food for, I mean, hours and hours and hours. And the sad thing is that body positivity should stand for, I am a valuable human who deserves everything wonderful life has to offer, right? That's what it should stand for. And health is one of those great things, right? Health, wealth, love. We should all have the right to earn these things. We're all deserving of these things and we're all capable of these things. But body positivity has been, as in some cases, in some circles, has moved towards this has been so hurtful to me and my defense mechanism, defense mechanism is to say I love it. And, you know, F you diet culture. Diet culture is totally irrelevant. This stuff comes way before diet culture. It's historical primal stuff that comes from a dynamic in the individual's very early life. And I, again, I, I personally have, was an overweight kid. I'm very fortunate to have been in therapy for many, many years. And I also have a mother who is a PhD psychoanalyst. Or a, I'm sorry, a side. It's called a side. She has her doctorate in psychoanalysis. She's one of the best of the best. So it's just, you know, the scale is not really about the scale when it gets that that intense for people, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I have friends who have battled eating disorders and I don't want to diminish their experience. And obviously for them, getting on the scales is... Um, right. 
course. You know, yeah, and so, but I just mean that me, as somebody who didn't have that issues, yeah. used the principles that they were sharing in order to stay in a state of denial and not take action. That is where this gets so complicated is everybody's unique psyche is different. So what works for you, right? Like it might not work for another, but again, I can't, I can't pretend that a person who is a hundred pounds overweight isn't dramatically compromising the quality and the quantity of their life and to not be able to use a critical tool is tough, but if it sends them spinning, you got to find a way around it. You know what I mean? But it, it is like, maybe you don't look, maybe your trainer looks, your nutritionist looks, right? Like I've done that with people where I'm like, look, don't, you don't even need to look. Just, I need to know where we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I need to know. So like when I was a personal trainer back in the day, I'm like actually had the time to personally train clients. Cause that's actually what I did for 13 years before Biggest Loser, I, I would look at the scale for my clients every week and some of them didn't look and that's okay. You know, if there's, if you have an expert you're working with, close your eyes, you know, like, and that will tell that expert where you are at and they can do their job accordingly. So if we're talking about where you stand as being law, scientific fact, and regular listeners will know when we talk about beauty on this podcast, I'm all about the evidence-based, the clinical data, the trials and all of that kind of stuff. But one thing that I've really observed about all the trends, whether it's keto, whether it's, I can only think of keto off the top of my head, paleo, any of these things, these are almost, these are um, lifestyles that end up defining the person because they require so much energy. I know. Ugh. Ugh. Um, okay. To a certain extent, diet and fitness becomes almost religious for people in that you're right. It, it does define them. It's part of their culture. It has a tribalism aspect to it, like politics. You know, it's like, this is my diet. This is my culture. This is my clan. So, for example, in my app, people are always confused because they're like, you have a keto meal plan. I have a vegan meal plan. I have a vegetarian meal plan. I have a pescatarian meal plan. I have an omnivore meal plan. And it's because I don't have a choice. If somebody's vegan, they're vegan. Like, I, 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 you're not going to change their ethics and their morality. I can tell you, listen, I get it. I totally understand why you feel this way. I, but is it the best thing for your health? Science says no, and I've gotten into many debates about it, and people have gotten very angry at me, but I'm not going to try to change that about someone. That's who they are. So what I will do is I will take a chef or a registered dietitian and say, create the healthiest meal plan for a vegan that you can, right? Like, what are they missing? Okay, B12, okay, heme iron, all right, you know, this type of omega-3, okay, where can we gap this? How can we get better iron absorption? Same with keto. I had, it was written by a guy named Dr. Josh Axe and it's only 30 days and it's predominantly plant-based. So we're not getting all this processed meat in the diet and all this garbage saturated fat. Um, but, but that is the reality is that to a certain extent, I will take that science and do my best to wrap it around the person because if I don't, it's not going to work for them. 
if that makes any sense. I, I have to try to cater to who they are as a person, but still utilize the science to the best of my ability. So I can still get your calories right, no matter what you want those calories to consist of. I can still give you the best quality calorie, no matter what macronutrients, be it protein, fat, carbs, you want those calories to consist of. I can still make your diet I'm sorry, your fitness as powerful as possible. So again, that's where that, that unique, the individual's personality must be considered. It must be. So there could be something that's optimal, but it won't work for every person. The science applies to everyone, but you have to cater it in order to get the best results. And speaking of the app, and listeners, the link where you can find the app will be in the show notes, whether you're on Android or whether you're on Apple. Um, the opening video for the app is extraordinary <laughs> and from the right from the off you know that you're in safe hands and it and I was going to mention this to you and you kind of just covered it the entire intro to the app when you arrive and you've signed in you're there and you speak to every single possible person who might have downloaded that app I've got you if you want to fit it in after work I've got you if you like to work out in the morning I've got you if you don't like this like everything is considered when we built the app, my goal was how would I, this is what was always so hard for me with DV, the DVDs is that people would say, how often do I do it? How, you know, and even though I could modify moves and progress moves, I, you know, I wasn't able to say, oh, you've got this injury. Oh, you've got this, you've got this personal goal. The app allows me to train somebody the way I would if they had come to me as a personal trainer. Because as a personal trainer, you're like, all right, what are we dealing with? What are we working with? What are your goals? What's your current fitness level? What equipment do you have available? How much time do you have? What kinds of foods do you like? You, you can't, before app technology, you were never able to do that. So now I can say like, oh, you're, you're um, expecting mommy. Fantastic. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. Oh, you only have 20 minutes a day and you're an intermediate level athlete and you only have dumbbells. Great. I'm going to generate a workout for you on the spot. Like that's what's so awesome about technology nowadays is that you can bring that element of customization, which just gives the individual, the individual that greater shot at success and maintenance. And also I was going to say, uh, you've, uh, talked about the fact that age isn't really, relevant when it comes to fitness like you can be totally fit. and so the reason I ask uh, I've been speaking to a few friends who I've said I'm speaking to Jillian today they've asked oh. I'm in my 40s now <laughs> I yeah. mean you should see the whatsapp they're like pages but I'm uh, in my 40s now am I really going to make any gains can I still get a six pack if I wanted it like <laughs> I find that so I actually that's I wrote an entire book about aging because I was seeing this when I turned 40 and here's, here's what I will explain is that fitness has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with fitness level period. So I can have an ultra marathoner who's 65, right? And I can have a 20 year old that's never trained their entire life and is completely out of shape. So the goal is to say, what fitness level are you? fantastic, you're a beginner or you're advanced. And what is your fitness goal? And then from there, we advance to what are the things you like? What's the equipment you have? What's your time frame? But those are the two most important things. Age is irrelevant. 
And I feel personally like I continue to show like I am not some great outlier. I'm not a genetic specimen of fitness. I'm five foot, arguably two, but I like to say three and on a good day. You know, I was overweight as a kid. I had terrible skin, a huge nose, crooked teeth. My my point is that like I am no specimen of fitness or beauty. I'm I don't have like tremendous athletic potential. I was never a good athlete. Like, but I work out and I eat right and I do just fine. And at 46 years old, I can do everything I can do at arguably more fit than when I was 20. And I'm just as fit now as I was my entire life because I just, I know how to train intelligently. So I'm not getting hurt. Right. I, I did have one accident where I fell off a horse in my thirties and I tore my rotator cuff and that's the only issue that I've had. And that nothing has to do with age or fitness. So it's even more dangerous by the way, to assign a workout based upon age. And here's why, what does a woman in her 50s, 60s, 70s actually need. We need weight training, impact training in order to maintain bone density and muscle mass. But the minute you turn around and go, oh man, I am 50, can't do that anymore. Well now you are literally engaging in behaviors and habits that will create the very thing we don't want. So when people start thinking to themselves they're too old or they're too fragile or that's not who they are, it actually compromises their ability to maintain vitality and longevity. So we've got to <clears throat> redefine up. Oh, sorry. My dog's very passionate about this. <laughs> Man, no Memphis. Don't do it, buddy. Nope. Oh, oh, here they both go. I thought we were doing, we were doing so good, Emma. And it was just too good to be true. Hang on. Se- seven. Shh. My 13 year old friggin' 20 pound dog. Pound life. <laughs> thinks she's Cujo over here. <laughs> Anyway, the, the, the reality is that we've got to redefine the way people see aging. And that's one thing that I hope to do as I continue to age is that people look at me and go, oh, my God, like she can still do a one arm pull up. She can still do a pistol squat. Yeah, of course I can, because I'm training intelligently and I'm eating well. Mm-hmm. it's okay do you know what listeners if you're not already following Julian on Instagram or YouTube then you're getting basically a bit of a preview when you do follow her because every now and again the budgery girl will say something (laughs) (laughs) or the dog will pipe up and actually it's I'm gonna leave it in because it's such a character of your videos anyway it's literally a zoo here right now between the kids the dogs the bird and everybody at home at the same time it's like I just cannot get one clean interview come hell or high water. <laughs> so <Not> one. <laughs> one of the things that came up um, in lots of my messages from my friends when I, they knew I was speaking to you was almost like a can't attitude coming into it with a bad attitude. I can't lose weight because I can't do fitness because I can't incorporate that. I can't do hit. And that must be incredibly frustrating for somebody who time and time again for many years now has proven that you can, even if it is with 20 minutes a day. My argument to that would be as follows. When you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. (laughs) I mean, you want to fight for it. They're all yours. You, you, You get to keep them. You know, I, I cannot, make somebody change. It's the old adage of you can lead the horse to water. So for me, 
I might lose a million people, right? But I might get the one, the one out of the million I might be able to impact. And, you know, we've got, I would like more than that, obviously, but we've got 8 billion people on the planet. I'll take it. And my, my position is that I, I can't want it for you. You have got to want it. And then I can slowly teach you how to believe in your ability. And one of the ways of doing that is by, and fitness is great for this. It's so transformative because it redefines somebody's belief in their ability. You can say to me, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then I can go, actually, look, we just did. And now it's shattered this perception of who you think you are and what you're capable of. And that's why fitness is so fantastic in that way and so transcendent. Um, But if you are so tied to the excuses that I can't even get you to try, then it just, my karate teacher once said to me, he's like, look, I can't want this more than you do. He's like, I have a finite amount of energy and time. So either show up and give me 100% or go home. And I was super pissed about it and ended up, you know, getting like furious. I ended up going back because I was so desperate for that environment. I was just a teenager. Um, and made the effort and ended up learning what I was capable of. But again, all I can say to you is you fight for those limitations, you get to keep them. And this question came up, which I thought was really interesting. Say you want it, but you can't actually apply it, as we've discussed. How can you find your why? Because I'm guessing that's the most important thing, the starting point. Well, okay. There's, 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 there's several components. And again, it, it depends on the degree of your issue with food. So remember, there's there's the typical person that just had three kids and life got away from them, right? Or two kids or, you know, the desk job or like just kind of like, and then all of a sudden one day they woke up and they're like, oh my gosh, I gained two stone or which I think is like 30 pounds or something like, like, whoa, what happened? Whoa. All right. I got to get on track. Then there's the individual that struggled with weight their entire life. And it's, it's a deeper psychological component. So the why is a critical piece and that why, right? If you've got the why, you can tolerate the how, the work and the sacrifice associated with the goal. And so that, that is step one. So how do we figure out the why? And a lot of times people's why would be some sort of sweeping generalization of like, I want love, I want money, I want health. And you're like, all right, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what does it even mean? Like, what does health look like in your life? And then they kind of have no idea. They've not thought it through. Is it that you want to have sex with the lights on? Which, by the way, I think is greatly overrated. But, you know, it's bright, like, seven, it's 16 hours a day. You're in California right now. Like, why limit yourself? I, I mean, who knows? You want to wear a certain brand of skinny jeans? Want to meet your great-grandchildren? Did you lose your mother to breast cancer? And now you have dedicated your life to you know, living as healthily as possible and raising money through sporting events for breast cancer research? Is it wearing a, a, a bikini on your beach vacation at 75? Like, I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter how superficial or how profound, as long as it matters to you. And it is this why that allows us to sort of go, all right, do I want the pizza or Am I going to have the kale grilled chicken salad tonight? Well, obviously, if we're just looking at it in the moment, who's not going to want the pizza? But when you say, do I want the pizza or, you know, to live my best life in honor of my mom, 
or to be a role model for my children or to meet my great grandchildren or to feel great in this brand of skinny jean. Now we've got a little perspective here. And this is where work with purpose becomes a passion, right? Work without purpose just feels more punishing. So that why is a very critical component and it requires a lot of um, self-reflecting, right? Some introspection. Um, what I would say is take inventory throughout your day. Like every hour on the hour, pause and look at what you're doing and what you're eating and who you're around and what you're watching and what media you're consuming, all of this. How does it make you feel? What are the things that make you feel good? And allow those things to sort of gradually guide you towards the definition of your why, be it your relationships, your career, or your physical health. So that's a huge piece of it. Now, when obesity is deeply rooted in your uh, your psyche, that's very tough. And this is because at one time or another, this destructive habit, by the way, it could be dating scumbags, it could be spending money you don't have, it could be drugs or alcohol, it could be an addiction to food. At one time or another, this habit meant your psychological survival. It could have been connection to a loved one. It could be feeding deeper psychological hungers. It could be a defense mechanism to overwhelming criticism. And that's where the why is like step one to look at the bigger issues, but then the, then you got to do that deeper work if it makes sense. I'm curious about, uh, and I've said this before, all I have to do is look at food and I gain weight. And I've also <laughs> used the, I'm just somebody who puts weight on really easily. I can eat the same as my really thin friend and I will gain weight. Is that bullshit? Not at all bullshit, no. It's actually very true, but it's still calories in, calories out. <laughs> so, you know, this is where people say, well, I'm more prone. Yeah, you very well could be. Um, and there's that, it's a scientific fact. So we even know that people with a certain microbiome have a faster metabolism. There are people, my ex was one of those people. I, I mean, to get the woman pregnant, I had to make ice cream sundaes every night to try to get weight on her. It was crazy. Cause she, they're like, you gotta gain at least five pounds. She, and she's tiny like me, she's actually smaller than me. She's like five, two and 95 pounds. She has a size five foot, she's a tiny human. And it, you know, she could eat whatever she wants and never get bigger, right? Whereas I'm very much like you. If I step out of line, my body's like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> So there's a, there's a genetic predisposition for sure. And then there's, there's your microbiome and there's the way your lifestyle will influence your genetic predisposition. How your genes express themselves is dynamic. We affect how our genes express themselves. So while I might be prone to being heavier, you might be prone to being heavier. We can still control the math and be healthy. So my ex, Heidi, she can eat 3,000 calories a day and not gain weight. I cannot do that. I, as you see, can eat 1,600 calories a day, right? And that's my number. It's still the math. Mm -hmm. It's just like there are rich people in the world. There are poor people in the world. The world's not fair. It's, it's just not fair. Some people are born into money. Some people aren't. You got to think of it that way. But the reality is we can all balance our checkbook. It's just maybe a little more difficult. Some of us have to be more restrictive. Exactly. And the other thing that kept coming up is I said to people, what do you think when you think Gillian Michaels? And 
health, fitness, working out, all of these things. And actually, I've been doing a lot of research and I have actually been, um, you're almost like a scientist in terms of the amount of knowledge you have about loads of different things and the things that you explore in your podcast. Um, and even uh, I listened to you speak about nutrigenomics. You are oh. really ahead of the field and the game when it comes to your knowledge about health and wellness. Well, okay. A, I've been doing this since I was 17. So a heck of a long time. B, personally, I'm extremely passionate about it. So I want to understand what are the things that are going to let me live to 100 with my mind intact. You know what I mean? What are the things that are going to let me live with vitality as long as possible? I want that for myself. So I want to know. Like, like, I'll speak with a guy named Dr. William Lee, who's amazing. You should follow this guy. He's incredible. Wrote a book called Eat to Beat Disease. This guy cured his 85-year-old mother of cancer. He's a Harvard schooled MD and a Harvard researcher, works at Harvard, and he studies the way food literally can cure cancer, can fight over 70 different diseases. Well, I want to know that. Tell me. Teach me. I want to understand it. But the third part of it is that, A, I'm a very high-profile individual in my field. So all day long, people want to take you out, right, and prove that you're a fake or you're a fraud or you're a phony or you're a liar. So I've got to be extremely thoughtful about what I say and be able to back up what I say. So when I tell you I don't like keto, it's not because I'm selling you some other diet. Eat less, move more, use common sense. It's not a diet that I can sell you. It's because when I wrote a book about aging, I had five different doctors tell me all the bad things about keto and show me and explain many different studies about it. So then I'm going, wow, this is really bad for you in the long run. And I have the science to back it up. So someone can come at me because it's a billion dollar industry. I mean, we have an organization here called Weight Watchers that put like put their whole business behind keto two years ago. And they're a publicly traded company. So a lot of people don't want you saying things like that. And they're going to come at you and go crazy, all these different organizations and individuals, because they built a business around the next trend and the next trend is keto. But for me, I'm like, all right, great, let's debate it. And all of a sudden, everybody goes away. Everybody <laughs> vanishes, right? I'm like, all right, Al Roker, Andy Cohen, whoever else has something to say, I'm fully prepared. Let's go at it. And then they all vanish. And so I don't really have a choice it's not only my personal passion, it's also my work. And um, so I, I have to be as well-educated as I can be. And there's always room for new evidence and new information, right? Like the, the microbiome is a fascinating thing. I'm constantly learning new things about that and the power it has over our weight, our immunity, our health, arguably even the ability to fight off COVID. I mean, there's actually a, a fantastic TED Talk from a researcher who was explaining that they discovered in the 1800s that your microbiome could make you immune to cholera. Like it's crazy, crazy stuff. So I want to know these things personally and, and I want to be able to share them with confidence. And you put, a, you put stock in uh, nutrigenomics in that I know it's 25 years away or a long way off, but you actually yeah. think there's something to it, right? Oh, there absolutely is something to it. So the, the study of nutrigenomics is how food impacts your individual genome, right? Your, your genetics. Um, and we do know that, for example, 
green tea might turn off the breast cancer gene in you, but not me. Uh, you know, we, we, we know that the way food impacts individuals now is unique. Uh, and part of that is genetic, but a big part of it isn't. So we're starting to wonder like, all right, what piece of this is genetic and what piece of it is your microbiome? So for example, there's another great study that looked at two identical twins but their microbiome was 33% the same, 66% different. And these two genetically identical twins had a completely different insulin response to the exact same food. So it, I mean, look, this is, this is not stuff the average person needs to, needs to like make themselves crazy with. But for me, I am personally just, it's just what I love. So I'm like, oh my God, how, like what, what is that microbiome that the person who can eat anything has? What is that microbiome that's going to help you fight off cancer? What is that microbiome that will help you lessen the severity of COVID? So I, I love it. I, I am fascinated by it. Nutrigenomics is absolutely going to be the future of nutrition, but we, ju- we just don't have the technology or the understanding of it right now. Mm-hmm. So we're Now, I know that our time together is drawing to a close, so thank you so much. But what is there, if anything, that you would like to leave listeners with if they're in that place where they're they're now feeling super motivated? They're going to download the app or they're like, do you know what? I've had my light bulb moment. I'm going to move forward with purpose. What would what would your your parting words? My answer would be this is that we are all capable, we're all deserving, we're all worthy. It's about having the tools, right? So you can say bring action to intention, but if the action is misinformed, action is like a wrecking ball in your life. So first do your homework so that the steps you take do tend to lead towards a success or a win. If they are a failure or a setback, it's not any sort of indication about your worth or your ability. It's nothing other than a sign of bravery and courage and a learning opportunity that's preparing you to be ready when the time is right, very much like yourself, right? And I mean, honestly, it doesn't have to be perfect. That's the last message is that we all think it needs to be perfect. It's like, I don't have time to show up for an hour or 30 minutes. I don't care. Move your body throughout the day more. I'll take it. Every step in the right direction is a win for us here. If you chose tea instead of juice, win. You know what I mean? If you gave up soda today, we won. That's a win. I will take every victory and you will go up and down. Three steps forward, three steps back, two steps forward, one step back. It's not going to be perfect. It's about winning more than we're losing. Even if it's a 10 to nine ratio, we'll take the one win. And that's, that's what I need people to think is like, look, we're going to take bite-sized chunks out of this every single day. It's a process. We're always evolving and growing. And so are we with our health. It's just like any relationship or your career. You're working on it. You're growing. You're evolving. That's how it is. There's no expectation of perfection because it's not humanly possible. And I <laughs> nope. And I think one of the things that sticks with me about that you've said that always I think about in the morning, I like to work out in the morning. That's my thing. But one of the things I've heard you say a few times is when you're strong physically, you become empowered. And so that's why I like to do it in the morning, because then I feel like the day is set up really nicely. It whatever works for you. And this is where 
I come back to that unique psychological piece, right? Of like, all right, when do you feel the most motivated? When do you have the most energy? Oh, you don't have that luxury? When can you fit it in, period? Can't fit it in? How about this? Let's do hundreds. So like there's a workout I give people where it's like 100 squats, 100 lunges, 100 push-ups, 100 mountain climbers, 100 bicycle crunches. And we're going to break it into sets of 20. So you're going to do 20 of each every hour. And that's like, fine, we can make it work. Like, it, my app has free seven minute workouts. Don't have the money for it, don't pay for it. Download it, do the free seven minute workouts. I'll take it, I'll take whatever you've got. <laughs> Give me whatever you got, do it whenever you can. Doesn't have to be perfect. Jillian, I have loved talking to you. I could geek out on, I could really do, do a deep dive into some of your areas of expertise, but just to really get this chat with you has just been fantastic. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh, no, thank you. I've had the best time and I really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll chat again. Thank you so much for listening. It's always such an honor to spend this time with you. Thank you for spending it with me. If you want to write to me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I love, love hearing from you. Or slide into my DMs on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns. If you want to chat to me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast, please do go to the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode and click the link to join the closed Facebook forum. You do have to answer a few questions and you do have to agree to the forum rules. But once you do that, you'll be opened in opened in you'll be welcomed in with open arms by me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast i can't wait to see you there go ahead join today see you on the next one